Elijah or God's backside, you know, he's like tucked in the cleft of the cave or whatever. Um, there's a lot of powerful God experiences recorded in scripture. And Brian, I want that to be your next church plant name um, is the church of God's backside. Yes. yes. I like that to be true. <laughs> We've got you covered. <laughs> That's the tagline. Nice. Nice. <laughs> Show title. Oh, you just couldn't help Welcome to episode 222 of Pub Theology Live, a weekly conversation on life and faith over a craft brew pint, a fine wine, or whatever happens to be in your glass. On today's episode, which is being recorded on 222-2022, perfectly. On today's episode, the Reverends Ogenholder, Shannon Weston, and yours truly, Brian Berghoff, will address and engage what's happening through a theological lens with a good brew in hand. And that good brew might be in one of these magnificent Pub Theology Live pint glasses, if you are watching our Facebook feed, which you can watch live when we record on Tuesdays. Um, you'll see me holding it up, and you can get one of these by becoming a patron, supporting our show uh, send us a few bucks to continue doing what we're doing. Visit patreon.com slash ptlive and we send you one of these and you get access to some bonus video content, uh, pre and post show banter. So patreon.com slash ptlive. And as always, we thank our current patrons. This week, we'll be talking about the impact of religion, the power of hope and the Winter Olympics. So, um, Ogan, you are for the third week running. This might be a pub theology record. Oh, are you kidding me? The only one drinking alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> you are kidding me. Oh, Listen. I had to switch. I had a meeting yesterday and I couldn't go work out yesterday. So I'm going to work out after this, which is more important than my beer that I would drink. I, well done. I, well I, done. I, I almost want to say you make me look bad, but I really don't care. No. Um, I am drinking. You were counting the morning. I were counting the evening. It's a difference. This is this is true. Um, I've also been known to drink in the morning. When I woke up in the morning <laughs> As so. have I. <laughs> so. But I've never drank in the morning and then got out and worked out in the afternoon. So I try not to do that. Yeah, yeah. Because if you drink in the morning, the, the desire for work. You're done. Yeah, it, it's not, it's not no. happening. All, uh, my desire for anything is gone. <laughs> and that's why I have to work out in the morning before yeah. my brain can talk myself down from it. If I don't work out in the morning, it's not happening regardless. Um, so, so this is from Duclaw Brewing in Baltimore, Shannon's neck of the woods. And this is an interesting uh, throw together. It's called Sweet Baby Chai. It is a chocolate peanut butter chai tea porter. So wow, this is so that's a play on their be... Sweet Baby Jesus, which is a peanut butter chocolate porter. Yeah, this is gonna oh. either be fabulous or a bit of a train wreck. I don't think it's gonna Awful. be anywhere in between. <laughs> well, we're waiting with bated breath to see which it is. All right, let's... Brian, what are you drinking today? So upping my game today, I've got a bubbly bounce, which is their caffeinated version of their sparkling oh. water. And I'm drinking the uh, blood orange grapefruit flavor. 
blood orange grapefruit. See, all see, I don't do those seltzers and they all sound gross. Bubbly bounce. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't, I, I, I can't handle those either. They are fantastic, by the way. Are, just... are you at least got water. Uh, are you hydrating before you work out? I am hydrating. I have good old fashioned H2O and a Clementine. So, you know, Aww. a little, little baby Clementine, which I love the smell of all the time. Oh my God, this might be the strangest thing I've ever tasted. <laughs> that was, that was Josephine's pet rabbit's name, Clementine. Clementine. It's a nice name. We came home nice from name. church one Sunday and he was laying dead in his cage. Yeah, uh, the story. You yeah. have cats? <laughs> <laughs> but and then we went and got cats like two weeks later. <laughs> uh see, we can't have rodents because of our cat. Um, all right. So friends, oh, Brian is leading and I'm not leading the questions. So never mind. <laughs> I'm not transitioning right now. <laughs> Very it's gonna good. get us going, but very good. Well, friends, lean, lean into that, Clementine. But Enjoy Brian Clementine. was more talking about his dead rabbit, so I was ready to move on. No, no I just had a transition story. You know, um, I thought it might go a little. Was further, it though? There you go. There you go. Well, what did it have to do with the Olympics? Yeah, that was that was more of a that was more of a detour, not a, not a transition. <laughs> on to today's topics. All right, so the Winter Olympics in. Beijing just ended and wondering, A, did you watch any of it? And B, if you did, what was an event that you particularly enjoyed? Uh, no. <laughs> Full stop. <laughs> what? But when I when I have watched Winter Olympics, when I have watched Winter Olympics, um, I've, I've always, my, my favorites are, are the uh, uh, figure skating. Yeah. Um, Classic. Just, just because the 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 sheer athleticism that one has to do to to pull those moves off yes. is just like uh, unreal. I can, I can barely roller skate. I I can't even ice skate. Like there's no time I've tried ice skating. Yeah, the leg muscles it takes to ice skate like normally, seriously, is insane. Yeah. Uh, uh, unreal, no, and that's real. Uh, un- unreal, and and and. I've spoken to someone who's not a professional ice skater, but but who can do some of those moves, and they tell me it's really a lot of physics involved. You know, like we, we you have to we, we don't understand how much the arm movement and placement plays a part in 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 this. It's not just about the legs. Um, so it's a lot of physics, control, balance, uh, speed, momentum, all those things. But it's just like I just watch it and I go like, I, I I just can't even imagine. Just can't imagine. So yeah. Yeah, so I, I, I do that. I like this. I like the ski jumping as well. I like ski jumping. That's fun. Okay. mostly I watch to see if it goes not well. Right, it goes awry. See if they fall. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes. No, for real. So yeah. we. The only reason why we watched any this year was because last, oh, whatever, not last this past weekend, but the weekend before, my cousin got married, and we were two days in a hotel room. And when you're in a hotel room, you turn on the TV, and so that's why. So Derek watched quite a bit of curling i was in and out of the curling bits okay we did watch some snowboarding yeah and again like the snowboarding was fun it was women's snowboarding and a lot of that was fun because again you're waiting for them to fall now were you um, watching like the the half pipe or was it like the down the hill with maneuvers it was like and the jumps? down the hill maneuvers and jumps stuff yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's fun too yeah that part was really fun i the half pipe scares me like it's too it makes me anxious yeah um and then what else did we watch that was oh we watched this the single women's luge 
mm. which was really interesting. And we, which, so they, which fav- they somehow bizarrely named the monobob. The monobob. Yes. Thank you. Um, which sounds like a haircut to me, but nonetheless, or something um, worse. <laughs> right. And my favorite part of the winter Olympics is after about 30 seconds of watching it, you suddenly think that you're an expert on whatever random sport you're watching. Seriously. And like, so watching the monobob is like, we were like, oh, she didn't hit that turn, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> like, we know what we're talking about. Like we have any clue what is happening or how this thing is played or what is going on. So that's my favorite part of the Winter Olympics. Or, or that we could even come close to remotely doing any of it. <laughs> right. Like, what'd you do that for? You should have, you should have hit it at this, like, whatever. Like, no, nope. I'm sure there are really interesting winter sports. I just, yeah, I enjoyed, never, you know, I, we watched some, but not as much as we have in the past. Um, I didn't see any curling, but we did watch a fair bit of the snowboarding. The snowboarding that is fun, which I hadn't watched a lot of before, was called is called snowboard cross, where there's four people racing on a course at once at the same time. And sometimes they crash into each other and it's like super close at the end. So it is like, go, go, go. Like you're racing in real time. It's not just one person check the time against another time, which is a lot of the, you know, the skiing and so forth right. downhill. This is like four people racing at once. And it was a blast to watch. So I like speed racing for the same reason, right? That yes. I like track running. Like I like skating. to watch them, you know, make it to the last, like not just competing against a time, but competing against each other. Yeah. And a black woman uh, won gold in uh, speed, speed skating. Speed yeah, I saw track that. First time ever. So that was pretty sweet. Yeah. And and she was there because her teammate gave up her position yes. for, her, for to, her to be there. So that was very was, cool. It was, it was a nice, it was a nice heartfelt story um and and you know again olympics always that and i think this happens with the world cup too always that awkward time where we are yay sports let's ignore everything that's happening around the sports in that particular country that is doing some horrible things well there was that right of course like you know should we have you know should we have boycotted uh as a nation should well we we, as citizens boycotted watching we politically boycotted because we didn't we didn't send any representatives uh like uh you know we didn't march in the thing right like uh i don't i don't know i didn't even watch the open ceremonies which for me is usually the best part of any olympic thing is oh how creative i shouldn't talk about it because i have no idea maybe nobody (laughs) marched in it like i really have no clue no there was there was opening and closing ceremonies i don't know if there were nations that that participated in the games that did not participate in that i'm not aware of i don't know and 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 also don't get me wrong about the whole you know uh teenager young woman who tested positive for right you know the enhancement steroid and was still allowed to compete in yep. and right. and you know uh, but the olympics uh, won't adopt or th- no that during that the ncaa came out and they won't adopt the trans right really and it just it was full of stuff this year it was like but also call back to Shakari Richardson, the sprinter who 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 smoked marijuana uh, to help cope with her grief. Right. And, right? and, was, and nowhere yeah. has anyone ever gone faster ever smoking marijuana. <laughs> no. God. And we don't want to talk about the NCAA too much because somebody's basketball coach went off the rails over the. Oh, weekend. I saw that. 
I saw that. I'm like, dude, you're not in your Fab Five days anymore. Dial nope. it back. <laughs> nope. All right. Well, let's move on. We can talk about. Um, yeah. Let's talk we'll about move- basketball another time. We are moving on. That is a summer Olympic sport. So you know. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. So, do you think that religion in general has had a positive or negative effect on the world? And follow up, do you think that religious people are happier? It's interesting because studies show that religious people live longer. That doesn't necessarily mean they're happier. I was going to (laughs) say. In fact, in my very short 20-year ministry, I would say the people that live the longest are not necessarily the happiest. (laughs) <laughs> they may be the most stubborn but um, they, they, there may be um I, I but i think i think research has generally shown that people who have some sort of religious or spiritual affiliation do tend to get more meaning out of life and tend to skew big picture happier um however the first part of that question positive or negative effect on the world i think they're running neck and neck <laughs> In, term, in, in terms of, of impact, I think for every positive of religion you can point to, you can find a negative. And, you know, some, some would argue, I would argue that um, the, the negative effects tend to get more attention than, than the positives. I think the positives tend to be a little more personal. The negative tends to be a lot more public. And it's, it's, it's not done the church any favors. Um, and I think we always forget that in religion, people get involved and it becomes messy because people are messy and you just can't subtract the messiness of people from anything including, including religion. So yeah, I think it's both positive and negative. And I think people are people more and more people are opting for that middle ground of I just won't get involved. <laughs> I'll find I'll find my positive somewhere else. And it may depend on where you're coming from. Like if you're a, a you know a ver, ver virulently, that's the word I'm going for. Virulently, I don't know. If you're seriously like anti-religion, um, you're going to see this a certain way. Whereas if you are uh, you know, more positive toward religion, person of faith, you may try to see it through a, a rosier lens or a more positive lens, but it's, it's, it's hard to tease out, you know, what directly comes out of religion and what doesn't, because it's going to be, you know, a mix, you know, like some things that maybe you perceive happen because of religion or by, uh, religion or under religious pretext may well have happened if religion didn't exist because humans are humans and do human things under various labels and motivations and so on. So that's to say, I don't have a good answer. I, I was going to say, I feel like this is <laughs> a, a time really to get there. <laughs> hard. I, it's a disprovable thing, right. Or an unprovable thing. Like, okay. Positives right. are um, that not just on individual, like people find more meaning in life and that whatever, but like positives are communities have been brought together and fellowship and feeding and, you know, clothing and giving shelter and all of these great hospitals built and you know, social justice and social service type things in the name of religion. Also a lot of wars created (sighs) and conquering of land and country and blah 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 so and and exclusion from community 
and and so, so and that all list you just things. gave the exact opposite also occurs right exactly so i For i sure. feel like it's an un it's definitely an unknowable what do i think i i mean i, I just the correct gen- answer is yes does it really <laughs> have a general positive or negative effect yes yes so um, that might be right that maybe it's the second part that maybe you could tease out a little more are people happier who are affiliated with a faith a religion a spiritual tradition than those who are not i mean like hogan said i think i think that meaning and gratitude for life does go hand in hand with people who um feel something beyond them right um and who have communities on the other hand, ask me that question on Sunday morning when other people are having brunch and mimosas and I have to go to church. <laughs> so in that moment, I don't know who's happier. Yeah, other people are tailgating <laughs> pregame and you're lucky to get home by kickoff. The, the, exactly. the folks with the mimosas are happier. I can I can unequivocally tell you that. So that's my answer to that. <laughs> <laughs> well, we should bring mimosas to church. Uh, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah, I think I I probably agree that there's a lot of meaning that people find in religion um, that that satisfies that is satisfying, especially some of the bigger questions that can sort of be debilitating emotionally, like, you know, uh, do I have meaning? Do I have purpose? Will my life continue beyond this one? Is there a, you know, a divine or cosmic force that looks on me benevolently with love? You know, that's, those are all good feeling inducing things um, that I think, you know, a lot of people uh, are big draws to religion. Now, of course, there's the darker side with shame and um, religions, uptightness around sex and any number of things that might create equally harmful effects. So again, the answer is yes, both (laughs) and. And that's, I think, I think that's what we're getting from all this. <laughs> it's the bold end. And what's, I think, with the important thing that comes along with that is if you are in a religion or a religious community where you are feeling more of the negative than the positive, you need to get the hell out. Then you need to find a new religious community. Exactly. Exactly. I'll never find forget my. Or, or not one at all. That's, no, that's, my... that's an option too. When I was in seminary, I think I was in seminary or in college about to go to seminary and I, my parents decided to come to church with me, um, to the Presbyterian church in town rather than their church, which was the evangelical Southern Baptist church. And my, we left and my stepfather said to me, like, I didn't know you could go to church and not feel bad when you left. Oh man. Wow. Wow. And I was like, like, at first I was like, I don't know if I thought he was kidding. You know what I mean? Like I was like, did something happen? Did something, whatever. And, and they started going to a different, but a Presbyterian church after that. Cause they were just like, he he was like, you know what? I don't need that anymore. I I was like, yeah, you don't. (laughs) Yeah. I don't need to feel guilty or ashamed. Right. But it wasn't, it was interesting that it wasn't a leaving of the faith. It was a changing of the faith. Right. Yeah, and I, you know, I think it's important to note that healthy religion is possible. Uh, you know, just as healthy life apart from religion is possible, and sometimes you know people want to say religion is the 
cause of the evil, but I would say religion done poorly is often the cause of things people don't like about it. True. So a lot of people through history, current time included, have powerful spiritual or, or religious experiences. Do such experiences prove that there is a God or higher power? No. <laughs> I feel I should say more to that. <laughs> First of all, that isn't your answer to two of the three questions, just so you know. Yeah. <laughs> hey, don't blame the answers. It's the questions. Just saying. The uh, the uh, well, first, what does one define as a religious experience, right? Um, and and two, um, we we can't we can't discount things like, for lack of a better term, like mass hysteria. Um, we can't discount things like, um, am, am I am I having a religious experience or am I having like a mental slash psychological event? Right? Wh which one is it? So if we if we believe a thing hard enough, we can experience a thing, and because our because our, okay. our, our, our our mind is our mind is powerful. Yes, but you've you've had an experience you've had an experience of god before you've had a spiritual experience you've had a Have religious I? experience you described them like you're talking about hysteria and i don't like those so are I'll, separate things so I'll, i think i will i will say this i will say this i remember i remember growing up in a very evangelical type community that placed a lot of um i wouldn't say emphasis but but credence and reward on speaking in tongues well, that okay, but that's that's how some people have a religious experience. Right. You have described on the show of during meditation certain experiences and feelings, certain things that have happened. Or, I mean, I think we wouldn't do it if we didn't find some um, some connection to something beyond ourselves. You would have stopped meditating a long time ago, you know. So, so. So that brings me back to the first thing I said. How does one define a religious experience? Because you can reap the benefits of meditation without having a religious belief, right? You can have a transcendent experience. You can have all the health, mental, psychological, even spiritual, and I mean spiritual, re referring to, to one's inner meaning and identification of self sure. through meditation without tying it to Buddhism, or, or, you know, the contemplative Christian practices or anything, yeah. right? So that's, that's what I'm saying. Is it a religious experience according to how you de define it? So, so there were people who were said to have had religious experiences and they were just sort of having misfires of synapses in their brain. And I know sure. I'm, I'm using extremes. So, so, well, so this Sunday, which is one of my least, favorite Sundays. There's two Sundays of the church year that I would throw out. That's why I'm off this weekend. Mm. I too. usually try to take off Transfiguration Sunday, yeah. which is what we're talking about. Right. The other is Christ the King Sunday, which I would just oh, do. Oh, that was my last Sunday off. <laughs> well, I unfortunately I took two weeks ago off, so I have to preach it. But yeah, yeah. So what why is it not a favorite? so anyway, it's it's this experience. So Moses 
get Moses is bringing the people out of the wilderness. He goes to the top of Mount Sinai. He has this experience uh, where he um, has this conversation with God, where he um, experiences God and God gives him the 10 commandments, right? Fast forward thousands of years later, and Jesus is with his disciples and he goes up to Mount Sinai and the clouds roll in and he shines, shine, Jesus shines. And just like Moses did, by the way, Moses had to come down from the mountain and wear a veil because his, he was shining. Um, Take that what you will and appears with Jesus on this mountain to his three disciples that are with him um, appears Moses and Elijah, the prophet Elijah and um, the three disciples that are with him, like ooh and awe and magic happens and blah, 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 blah. And then he comes down the mountain and he is ready for his, ready for his trip to Jerusalem, his cross and his resurrection, right? Like this is the moment that prepares for all of that, which is why it happens the Sunday before Lent starts. Right. Every time I read it, do y'all remember the Super Bowl where J-Lo and Madonna had those like sparkly robes on and J-Lo descended? Look it up, Google it. Like, I want the robe. I've always said it. Like, this is the Righteous Gemstones moment. This is where you need to be lowered in while you tell the story. You are like all over the place with the the metaphors today. (laughs) No, this is the like. You went from Bible to J-Lo to Righteous Gemstones. It's not J-Lo. It's Madonna and C-Lo. Madonna, sorry. (laughs) Madonna. I seriously, it's the best picture ever. And it, and it was the Super Bowl right before Transfiguration that year. And like, Ah. I couldn't let it go. Um, And I kept threatening to get my staff those robes to wear on. And we've always threatened to like have somebody descend from the, the thing and shine Jesus shine. Um, This is the one, this is by the way, the one Sunday a year, they get to sing that. That is the only one. It's the Sunday to do it. Yeah, like you get it. You get it. I like it. Yes, it is one, biblically appropriate. One, yeah, <laughs> this one, Sunday. Su- one Sunday too many, if you ask me. But that's me. <laughs> Likewise, I 1000% agree. And yet they, yeah. they're they going to take the opportunity. So I but anyway, that, I will say that scholars note uh, there's discrepancy on whether Moses face was shining or he just had a gold hair wax done. Oh. Boom. Boom, and then he boom. got it. He got a little bit like, and it just, yeah, it was face. like, it was like the Rudy Giuliani, you know, the leak. Oh the, my God. The, the oh ripping. my God. I forgot about that. <laughs> all kinds of cultural references today. <laughs> we are all over the map. By the way, if you haven't checked uh, Ogan's Instagram feed, you can see what we're talking about with yeah. gold hair wax. <laughs> I did, a, I did a gold thing over the weekend. Just playing. Anyway, just I, I'm fun with air. I think that there's, does it prove, I think proving is a hard word here, but I don't want to get too caught up on that word. Um, I think that for some people that a religious experience or a spiritual experience gives meaning that yes, there is like proof of God. Um, My also guess is that they were looking for that as well. You know, I don't think that people often have a religious experience and then say, now I believe in God if they weren't already seeking that. Yeah, they made they made the event support an already held belief. Um, you know, pe- I, I've heard people who are in church singing, for example, right? And we're all singing, we're holding hands, whatever. It's a transcendent experience of voices, our souls are lifted. And there's this like, just like, uh, you know, transcendent experience. And people are like, this is 
like spirit is flowing spirit is this god yeah. we're lifted you know and we're having a religious experience same damn thing happens at a con at like any pop concert you go to any concert right is it a religious experience then no it's not because it's not a religious setting but but it's it's what happens when it's 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 what happens when a or, or, or synapses and endorphins are fired because we are getting together in a unitive event which, with a bunch of people. So we, so this is what I'm saying. How, what do we label in as a, a religious experience? To Shanna's point, are we labeling a religious experience because we're in a religious content and want it to mean that? Or so my know. my best. Here's my best example of this: Christmas Eve and Easter where people are just overcome, right? Like, let's take Christmas Eve. And I know I rail against Christmas Eve service all the time and I apologize, but like, right? Everybody loves their candle. They love singing Silent Night. It's magical. God is here. We feel God. Everything is amazing. Like, I hate it. It's the worst. Like, I just can't stand it. (laughs) It does not prove there's a God for you. (laughs) It doesn't because it feels pumped in, right? It feels manipulative it feel like if i dim the lights and if it it if feels there was a god screen. if there was a god you'd be home with your family on christmas eve night not working your ass off if there was a god you'd be having mimosas on sunday afternoon <laughs> and it's not it's not that's not how god works for me or to right. me right which is i think if you're answering this is is either a quick yes or no that is how god works for you right like god is pumped in and in the dimming of the lights and the candle not that there's anything wrong with being moved in that moment but if that's your big spiritual experience then like again then you you probably do come to church twice a year you know that's probably the reality yeah yeah, I mean, I've had experiences that were powerful and where I sensed a, a closeness to God, uh, to the divine. And, you know, they were particularly poignant in ways that other, you know, moments where I wanted to have something like that or maybe thought I should be and there was nothing, you know. So it's the kind of thing that you can't predict or manipulate. Or if you do manipulate it, you question the the validity, as you just noted. Um so, you know, certainly a lot of folks have these things. Of course, it doesn't prove. And if we had to rely on experience to prove, you know, the existence of a higher power, that would be dicey ground anyway. Um, but that so, doesn't mean that people don't have powerful religious or spiritual experiences because they do. So I would say religious experiences prove that I believe there's a God. Well, I was going to go a little bit different that m- religious experiences affirm my belief in God, right? Yeah. Yes. I, I that, think that that is true yes, for me. Right. That's what, it, that's absolutely what I meant. Same but thing. I don't need proof now. I don't mind. I wouldn't mind some proof. <laughs> okay. I will, but I will say that those experiences have brought me to a place where I don't need proof. So maybe they have proven for me, answered, like checked those boxes, whatever for me, but it affirms for me Sure. Um, this belief. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. So what's interesting is so so you know I I, I belong to Unity I'm a, I'm a Unity minister, and and we have a a wholly different way of understanding what God is right? right. I grew up evangelical, which is another wholly different experience. It's always fun to encounter people who were born into and grew up in Unity, 
that have my sort of current definition and understanding of God. And when as I tell the them only. as the only frame of reference they've ever had. And when yeah. I tell them about my formative experience and the embedded, you know, theology that still rumbles around in the back recesses of my mind, they go, I don't understand what you mean. <laughs> right. So they have a whole when you have a whole different framework from yeah. scratch of what God is and spirituality and religion, it informs absolutely everything in your life. And you look at that term religious experiences and you have a whole different concept of what that is. So for me, it's again, it's all to Shannon's point It's things just affirm what we already believe. I don't think there's anything that's going to happen. That's going to like wholly veer us off course. You can find exceptions to that. Um, but, um, but I think this question sort of like nudges us into a question about the supernatural. Um, and um, yeah, and I, and I don't subscribe to that. Mm -hmm. sure. So there's that. Yeah. And, you know, it, as you look through scriptures, of course, uh, we've already noted the transfiguration and Mount Sinai, you can talk about the burning bush, you know, any number or Elijah or God's backside, you know, he's like tucked in the cleft of the cave or whatever. Um, there's a lot of powerful God experiences recorded in scripture that are one person's personal subjective experience that maybe today we would describe differently, but maybe not, you know, it's, it's. Yeah. We don't know what they ate or took before it happened. And Brian, I want that to be your next church plant name. Um, is the Church of God's Backside. Yes. yes. like that to be true. <laughs> We've got you covered. <laughs> That's the tagline. Nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Show title. Oh, my God. You just couldn't help myself. <laughs> like, there it is. It was right there. The Church of God's Backside. We've got We've you got covered. We've got you covered. <laughs> wow. Hey, you know what? People would come. <laughs> <laughs> People Ooh. would show up just to see, like, what the hell's going on here? <laughs> what are you talking about? Man. It makes sense just as much as some other church names. So, no you know, kidding. I'm going to give them that. Anyway, no let's kidding. move on. There are worse. This is true. This is true. Uh, we're going to shift uh, from religion or God to hope. And this is a quote from Paul Dunbar, uh, the poet and novelist and leading literary figure during the Harlem Renaissance. He wrote, hope is tenacious. It goes on living and working when science has dealt it what should be its death blow. And so um, a little more context. He, uh, Dunbar, was born in Dayton, Ohio, to parents who themselves were slaves in Kentucky before the Civil War. So that's a little um, small piece of his context. And again, we noted he was a powerful literary figure in the Ren Harlem Renaissance. It's interesting to me that he uses the word hope and not God or faith or religion. Hope is tenacious. It goes on living and working when science has dealt it what should be its death blow. So how do we unpack that? And when would we think science would destroy hope? Like, why is he countering it with science here? So, so for me, when I read the word science, I replace yeah. it with evidence. That's, uh, that's what I was going to say. Let's Okay. Be careful Good. with when this was being written and what science meant. I think I would say proof, right? Science, right. going back to that prove word, mm -hmm. like 
proving is something we do in science, not what we do in religion or right faith. Right. And 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 why you didn't use the word religion or God? Because religion and God have disappointed. Right. Uh, people, hope people by definition doesn't disappoint. Yeah. People 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 have prayed for stuff that didn't happen. Okay. But but they still but, had hope. Right. Because hope is an intangible. Hope hope is a looking forward. Yeah. Um, hope is a hope is a in uh, an imagining of what could be. Right. So 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 you don't you don't have to hope hope's not a destination. Uh so you don't have to get there. It's 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 pretty much the fuel in the car, if you will. Um, but let's be clear, there's some people who've been disappointed so much that they have lost hope as right. well. Sure. Right. right? There's a, um, I, I, I preached about this a couple of Sundays ago, uh, the word fear, some people come up with this uh, acronym that I used to subscribe to, which I don't anymore, false evidence appearing real, right? We've heard that. And I'm like, I don't, I don't like that because some of us got evidence. Some of us have gone through some shit in our lives and we got some evidence that says, here's why we should fear this situation or why mm -hmm. we afraid or why we don't have the hope we have the evidence. So, so let's throw that out the window. I love, I love Tara Brox, the Buddhist teacher, her, her definition is fear is the anticipation of future pain and, and springing off of that. I, I define faith as the anticipation of future fulfillment. And along that comes with the hope, which is really the, can we imagine a better future, uh, a, a more fulfillment of ourselves and our experience in the future. And yes, that is tenacious. And yes, that can that can rise above all the evidence that says to the contrary, but it doesn't always. By the way, if you haven't um, gotten Brene Brown's new book, Atlas of the Heart, like she Read, does reading it, it now. She does a deep dive into these 87 emotions and experiences and all of the, it, like, it's just, it's like, I have to read a little and set it down. Like it's, it's so yeah. um, thick and rich, but she talks about how hope isn't actually an emotion or an experience. Hope is a learned but hopelessness and despair are emotions and experiences and that we teach ourselves hope, we, whether we learned it naturally through our parents or somebody when we were growing up or as adults, we have to actually practice hope mm -hmm. and learn hope. Um, but it's not necessarily a feeling that we have. It's a, it's, it is a belief we have. Um, and now is it something so you said, is it something that she says we can cultivate or is it the kind yes. of thing that you either yeah. have we, it or you we, don't? We, we, we can. No, she says not only can we, but we like we have to like it's it's not an inerrant thing. Like and, 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 and this brings and this is this is a good point. You know, when, when we talk about representation of minorities in the media. Right. And in, and, and in politics, because mm -hmm. some some people, children have never hoped to be certain things because they've never seen right. representations of it, right? I didn't know I, as a black person, you know, a kid saying that I could be president. Like people say, right. you could be anything you want to be. Well, you know, I can't be, I can't be president because right. I've never seen a black man being president. Then Obama rolls in like, holy cow, this could actually be possible. Yeah. yeah. Well, and not, so one of the things I also, in this last part of this question, could you replace the word hope with religion? that I want to point out is, is during the Harlem Renaissance, this is, I mean, this is a time of great, if you don't know this piece of history in this place, but 
um, you know, Langston Hughes was writing during this time. I mean, the, and the, the idea of Christianity being the white man's religion, if you will, quote unquote, is, is prominent throughout this Renaissance, right? So I think there's a very intentional use of the word hope and not religion, right? There's an actual rejection of specifically Christianity um, because there's a wrestling with um, what it means to be Christian and be black, right? What it means to be Christian in this time, in this place and, and how this is just, just the years before um, and then overlapping into the years of Malcolm X and Martin Luther King Jr., right? So, so these are overlapping ideas during this time. Um, so there's, I think there's a good reason to use hope and not religion. I think they're grappling with what religion means um, in Harlem at the time. Yeah, yeah, no, that's, and, that's and, what's and, and how it has disappointed them. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and but being I, used I, against them directly. I think the, the truth is, is that um, hope, the beautiful truth that I see in this is that hope is not as, we kind of look and we ask people to be hopeful and simple and, and we think it's a simple request and it's not. And yet I do think that, um, you know, again, you how we have story after story after story of people who um, had every reason to give up, every reason to despair, every reason to be completely hopeless, who still felt um, this feeling and, and that that was a hold of them, right? That they, that there was something worth living for. There was something bigger out there. There was um, some meaning, I'm not saying like, in that like everything happens for a reason meaning but there was some meaning in um and through this suffering and i think that that is absolutely true about hope yeah so famously the apostle paul in first corinthians 13 says now these three remain faith hope and love but the greatest of these is love could the argument be made that hope is greater than love i think hope is i think well it's interesting. That used to be um, translated differently. Did you all know yeah. that? Faith, hope, and charity. Faith, hope, and charity. And the greatest yeah. of these is charity. And we Because changed. you just watched the show I watched. I know, right? <laughs> what, wait, what show is this? I'm all, I'm all over the blueberry. <laughs> I had the same thought when I was saying it. Um, yes. What were we watching? What was that? We were at? watching The Gilded Age. The Gilded Age, yeah. We were talking about the oh, founding yeah, yeah, yeah. of the, I saw yeah, that. Yeah. I the founding of the Red Cross. And yes. Yeah. And yes. faith, hope, and charity, and the greatest of these is charity. And and I'm so glad we changed it. And the original word is love. So that's you know great. Um, yeah. but it just also is I I don't know. I think they all right, like we often say the opposite of faith isn't doubt, it's certainty, you know. Um but I don't, I don't think you can have faith without love. I don't think you can have hope without love, which is where I come down to. Yes, I think the greatest of these is love. Um, yeah, you can't have faith without hope or love. It feels like they're both a right. part of the piece of it. Yeah. And I think, and even if you have hope without religion, you have faith in something greater. Ooh. Whether it's Does humanity. Hope imply faith? I think hope implies faith. Um, and, and that could be in humanity that could be in your own 
you know, strengths that could be in your spouse, that could be in, you know, the earth's ability to regenerate itself, right? You have faith in something if you have hope for a future. You, so, yes, you're, you're right. You have, you have faith that there's something better beyond the current experience you're in. Yeah. There's something different that this, this experience is not the only reality. Yeah. And, and I don't think everybody would say that love is necessary, but for me, love is the root of everything. Yeah, and so that's why love is necessary. But there you go. Well, shifting gears, Candace Taylor is running in the Georgia GOP gubernatorial primary. What a fun word, gubernatorial. So she's I'm, running for governor in Georgia, and her campaign slogan is "Jesus Guns Babies." Is she <laughs> the one with the commercials? I'm not, I haven't where seen she the commercials. shoots the guns. I've seen her bus where it's just says Jesus guns babies. And she's like standing in front of it. As in, uh, Republican candidates shooting guns is like, that's not an exception in terms of commercials. That's a requirement. It's not, but there, there is a woman running. Oh God, I, it's either Georgia or Virginia. I hate to say it, but who has these absurd videos of her shooting guns at things. And anyway. I, is that Lauren Boebert? Maybe. I think it's um, she's, she's done that. Yeah, anyway. Or Marjorie um, Taylor Greene also done Georgia. that too. Like so, I said, it's they've all done it, right? It's it's the requirement. So before I uh, before we does dig it appeal deeper, to certain voters? Yes. No, no, no. Before <laughs> we no, no, hold on. Before oh. we dig into the questions, a couple of responses on Twitter. Um, Jesus guns babies. Ah, yes, the evangelical Trinity. Jesus guns babies are like Muppet babies, but crazy and fascistic. That's my favorite one. This would have been an amazing late 90s Nirvana album. And uh, only in the mind of a Christian nationalist is Jesus Guns Babies ideologically consistent. So, mm-hmm. so before we dig into that, I have to mention on the other side, my current favorite um, political campaign ad by, uh, um, what's his name? Um, Gary Chambers. He is running for Louisiana Senate and and he's talking about legalizing marijuana at the uh-huh. federal level. And yes, I saw this with a massive blunt. Yes. He, okay. Yes, I saw that. I was like, that is amazing. So, Love but it. yeah, I totally see that as the other side of this. Um, it, it is. It, that, yeah. that was good. And, yeah. and his latest ad is him setting fire to the to the Confederate flag. Yep. And he says the South will rise again, but this time on our terms. And I'm like, I like that. Ooh. Yeah. Wild, giant, giant doobie. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the thing is, it is not, it is, it is like cigar size. It is, larger. it is giant. <laughs> it is amazing. So uh, how will the slogan of Jesus guns babies appeal to certain voters? And will this slogan help or hurt her chances to win? Well, I think it's a very clever summation of the things that matter to certain people. Religion, Second Amendment, and abortion. Like, but, go ahead. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, but in Georgia, I think... Um, so, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. <laughs> but the majority of your voters in Georgia are now African-American. 
and what they're going to be able to see in this, even if they believe in the second amendment is that when she stands up and says, Jesus guns, babies, she means white Jesus, white people with guns and white babies. And that is going to translate, I think across race translate negatively. Yes. Now there will be this group that loves it. Right. That like, I mean, this is targeting, this is targeting the base. It's targeting the 30%, right? These 30% that even on Trump's most horrible day said, you know, we're ride or die. Like that 30% that you just Mike Lindell crowd. Exactly. But let's say, let's say, you know, you're in Georgia and you're black, but you happen to be evangelical mainstream Christian who, who is anti, who is, who's pro-choice who is second amendment, who is religious, right? You're like, mm, yeah. okay, she might be white and we know this way may end up, but at least she's speaking to my values. So I don't think that's going to exclude every, every black person. And, and let's, I think. Not let's every, be cl- that's not what I meant. Right. Um, yeah. um, true. Yes. And I think, I think these slogans and these ads ultimately are meaningless because I think we've got to this point of polarization that I don't think there's anyone that needs convincing anymore about where where they fall on this. Even those people who claim to be like independents and and yeah. you know who claim to be like I need to hear the issues and all of that. I mean, yeah. I think there's deep down inside most people already know what side of this they land on. Um, yeah. I don't think that should be the case, but I think that is the reality because when I walk into the voting booth, right, I'm pretty yeah. clear that who, who, what, for lack of a better term, what, which party I'm voting for. But this is the primary. So this isn't about party. This is a, this is about just, I mean, right. it is about party. It's She's just fighting about the for GOP. her space in the Republican party. In the Republican party. Gotcha. So I That's don't right. think she right. wins this primary on this slogan, on, on this, this platform. Slogan. Yeah. I think she might get, like, like I said, that, that small number. I think she does. I, I, think, I, think, she... I think even if there's another Trump candidate, Trump type candidate that comes in different, you know, with a different, attitude it'll be it'll be interesting to watch to me this feels like another step toward idiocracy like how can we just say the minimal and no context no nuance yeah. no real policy jesus guns and, babies and like and that's why she's gonna win and then, and then, right we've well, already had freaking donald trump as president it might work. I mean i do i hear that i like i also like I have, I mean, I don't know, I don't know Georgia's structure enough, right, to sit there and say, so in some states, only Republicans can vote in their primary. In other right. states, any voter can vote in a primary. Correct. Um, which like I've always just kind of also gone, like, why don't I just switch over and like put my affiliation as Republican so I can vote in their primary and screw up their numbers? Like <laughs> What do I care? Like, what do I care? What's checked on a box with the post office, you know, or yeah, whatever. And in Michigan, I don't believe you even need to claim you're part of the party. You just request Republican or Democrat ballot. Or Democrat ballot. Yeah. yeah. So we why can all just we, go in what, and swap. Why can't we do like most of the countries that have universal rules? 
Stop. <laughs> well, this, every state needs to be different. This is because we're the United stuff. States. <laughs> There's nothing. Right, exactly. <laughs> irony. Irony is alive and well here. <laughs> anyway, and I just, I also like, so clearly the whole, that's the other side is like the whole state votes and Atlanta's just too freaking big. I just, I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I think, I think Georgia is so not, Georgia is definitely not, we, we cannot count on Georgia being only blue from here on out. Right. It, well, I don't it think never that's was. a safe bet. <laughs> it, well, that's what I'm saying though. Right. But like, but Stacey Abrams is still there and still yes. trucking. So she's going to, she's in the race, right? I don't know. Did on she, the democratic she side. Ran again. Yeah. I think she's running for governor. She, I think she's, I think she she's is. She's on the governor, democratic yeah. side. Yeah. So if it's her against this slogan to win, I want to see that. Oh, I love her so much. I love her so much. <laughs> but here's the thing. To, to your point, Brian, it wouldn't surprise me if this is who she's running against and she lost. Because we've yeah. gotten oh. to that point where even if you are a Republican and you go, this is the most idiotic thing I've ever seen and heard, I'm still voting for her. <laughs> right. I'm sorry. She... <laughs> ran and lost against a man whose job it was to certify the election like she like the state over ran against a child molester and lost right like anything could happen anything could happen we're idiots we're complete idiots and i hate the world (laughs) hope shannon not despair where's your tenacious hope Sometimes you just have to say it though. Oh, <laughs> I have zero it, faith in our electoral system. It, it, it always gets worse before it gets better. And I think again, we evolve in fits and starts. We evolve in like three steps forward, two steps back, three steps forward. Remember steps when back. we thought Sarah Palin was as bad as it got? Oh, oh for gosh. those days. <laughs> oh, for those days. <laughs> but again, big picture view we are still so much better than we were a hundred years ago, 200 years ago. Right. So we are, we are on a whole evolving upwards. We're just doing it too slow for some of us. We're doing it in fits and starts. We're like, every time there's a, there's a push for every time there's a push forward, there's going to be backlash. I mean, look at what's happened with these stupid, uh, you know, laws like in Florida and other states are like, yeah, you can't teach anything that's going to make my child remotely feel uncomfortable. And and so so there's always going to be a backlash. But what we've com- what we always know when we look back in history is that the backlash doesn't last. Right. And eventually the the I would say the the, the ideas towards goodness and equality, hope, the consciousness is raised. Right, that eventually will win out, but along the way, it's just gonna be messy as all get out. So well, I have I, hope. I, I I think that's the word to end on. <laughs> and I'm gonna let you know what. Here's where my hope lies. I'm gonna let you have hope for us, for all of us. I'm gonna let that lie in you. I don't have hope every day, but I have I have I have hope today. No, listen. This is this is why we have faith. This is why you're happier when you have faith because you're like faith. I can't do it today. <laughs> But you do it for me today and I'll do it for you tomorrow. But today I'm going to let you do it for me. Cooperative effort. Exactly. (laughs) Well done. Well, thank you, friends, for tuning in to Pub Theology Live. You can show your support and love for the show by becoming a supporter on Patreon. (laughs) 
get access to pre and post show banter and more visit patreon.com slash pt live to get started and a big thank you to our current patrons you can listen anytime on soundcloud stitcher spotify apple and google podcasts our top cities this week were boston massachusetts holland michigan brian you gotta stop listening to us on loop and <laughs> skewing the numbers and stockholm sweden Watch us live Tuesdays on Facebook around 4.30 Eastern time. Find or create a pub theology in your town. You can go to pubtheology.com. Until next time, friends, drink responsibly and keep those conversations flowing. So what, what episode is it today? And are we are we are we recording pre-show already? Are we there? We are. We are. Oh, listen, man, we can do whatever <laughs> we want. I say it's episode two twenty-two, and whatever we lost two twenty-one on the two twenty-one could be the lost episode that we we discover years later. All right, I'm gonna say this: the year and a half or two years or however long it was that I was doing the numbering in the script, mm-hmm. I guarantee a number got messed up. I guarantee ah. it. Somehow. <laughs> we make it what we want it to be. So we call this whatever number we want. All right. I'm, I'm, I think I'm on board. There we go. <laughs> All right. 222 it is.